Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Hey, family, and thanks for tuning back into another amazing segment here on GEMS Podcast. My special guest with me today is Dr. Shara Shepard, and here's a bit about Dr. Sarah. Sarah Shepard is a board-certified OBGYN in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where she was born and raised. She attended the University of Oklahoma and graduated from the Honors College with a letters degree and a and as a member of Phi Beta Kappa. She is a member of Chi Omega Sorority and served as the president of her chapter while at OU. She returned to Tulsa for medical school at Oklahoma State University College of Osteopathic Medicine. She completed her residency at OU in OBGYN. She has been active member of the American College of OBGYN, her her national organization serving on the local, state, and district levels as chair of the Young Physicians. She has won numerous awards, y'all, during her studies and career, including a National Leadership Award in Chi Omega, the Alumni Leadership Award in Medical School, the Golden Apple Teaching Award as an internal and fourth-year resident and the prestigious Rookie Physician of the Year Award given out by the Oklahoma Osteopathic Association. She owns a private practice in Tulsa with four other OBGYNs. She's active in her community, an avid tennis player, and loves to travel. Most importantly, she loves her family. She and her husband have two children, a 10-year-old daughter and a seven-year-old son. Additionally, they have three dogs, so definitely lots going on in the Shepherd family. She believes her time during pregnancy, delivering a premature baby, having surgery during pregnancy, and a child in the NICU have given her empathy for her patients as they navigate pregnancy and its potential complications. And today, we're going to talk about all things pregnancy, the pretty things and the not so pretty things. So without further ado, Please welcome Dr. Shara Shepard. Hello. Hi, Dr. Shepard. So you have an impressive background, and I want to connect with you on a personal level so the audience gets to know you a little bit better. So here are the options. We could break the ice up front or play a rapid fire 10 question game. What are you in the mood for? Uh, Let's break the ice up front. We're breaking the ice with Dr. Shepard. So (laughs) I want you to share something crazy that you've done in your life or a fun and interesting fact about yourself. Okay, so you can't see me, but I'm 5'1 and petite little blonde, right? So I come home one summer break and my dad's like, hey, we're going to family vacation. I was like, okay, great. Are we going to go to the beach? Our family typically would go vacationing at the ocean. He's like, no, we're going to go on a safari. And I was like, oh, awesome. I'm going to get to see all these animals and take all these pictures. And he was like, oh, well, about that, we're actually going to go hunting. And I had never shot a gun in my whole life. 
Well, then my competitive streak came out and we get over there and I had to make sure that I got the best, longest horned animals under the sun. And so two weeks later, I started medical school and we played the game Two Truths and a Lie when you sit around the table like this, doing an icebreaker. And so my two truths and a lie were the following. I ran a swimming pool growing up. I hunt big game in Africa and I have three brothers and a sister. And the last one was the lie, but everyone picked the game hunter because they didn't think such a small person could be so powerful. <laughs> wow. So have you um, been to Africa before? Yes. So we went on that safari and <gasps> I've been back since. And my husband has gone twice. We haven't actually gone together, but we're supposed to go back um, this coming February with my family and my sister and her husband and going to visit um, our friend that we met over there. Oh, nice. Yeah. That is a fun and interesting fact. I definitely want to go to the gun range because <laughs> my experience have just been BB guns. And we were just playing around my brother and I when we were younger. And we actually shot out my <laughs> uncle's back window of his car. <laughs> so that was not very um, good because then we had to like scramble to pay, pay to yeah. fix it. Absolutely. Costly mistake. What, aim for the squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> so let's dive into all things pregnancy because, oh my gosh, I can't imagine. So having surgery while you're pregnant, then a baby in NICU and just all these other things you just named. So like walk us through your journey and did you always anticipate wanting to be a mom or what did that look like? So I always knew that I wanted to be a mom. Um, I didn't know really how that was going to fit into my career goal because I felt like they should be simultaneous, but I didn't really know how to pull that off. So started medical school, not married, ended medical school, married. So that was four years. And then I went to residency for four years for OBGYN and I'm quite type A. So I figured out that you need to have a baby during your third year because you get more time off. And in my typical type A fashion, I thought everything was just going to fall into place and I was going to get my eight weeks and I was going to go back to work and everything was going to be beautiful. And then my daughter, who's 10 now, had quite the opposite plans and decided that she wanted to come eight weeks early after I had been in the hospital for four weeks on in-hospital bed rest. So we welcomed her um, a few, you know, eight weeks early and then spent about eight weeks in the NICU. Um, and then a few years later, recovered from our PTSD of not having control over life and having a newborn baby. And then we had our second pregnancy and that's the one that I was actually operated on at around 16 weeks. So yet again, no one was listening to my plan. Um, but that one I made all the way to term and now we have two healthy kids and we decided we're going to play man on man at our house and call it there. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay. So with you being a physician and just having a background experience, did you try to like tell them, hey, like, are you listening to me? Like, I know how to do this job because this is my profession and I'm not being seen and heard the way I want to. Well, I tried to tell my daughter that <laughs> she didn't care one bit about it. <laughs> um, but I, because I was pregnant while I was a resident in OBGYN, I actually was a patient at my residency program when I got admitted. So I was being rounded on by my friends. So they were listening. They just, we weren't able to do a whole lot to change the course of it. 
That is interesting. And I don't know why, Dr. Shepard, every time I think of your name, I think about Grey's Anatomy for some, some reason. One of my partners that I own that practice with is actually Dr. Gray. So we get lots of comments all the time about it. Oh, y'all should do a spinoff of Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> so... With pregnancy, let's talk about like some of the ugliness because, you know, whenever you're pregnant, people are like, oh, you're beautiful. You're glowing. They never tell you, oh, well, your butt or your butt's going to ache or, you know, you may be brushing your teeth and then, you know, some of the colostrum or you'll just have like some little leakage there. You're like, oh, crap, my boob is leaking. (laughs) And it may just be one boob versus another boob. There's so many things that are involved in pregnancy and every pregnancy is different. And I feel like unless we have like the raw naked truth about like the beauty of pregnancy, as well as the ugliness of pregnancy, we're not setting up women for success because I'm currently like expecting. And I was asking like a girlfriend of mine and I didn't even know how to like ask her this question. I was like, I know this is going to sound weird, but I was like, does your ass hurt for some oddly reason? She's like, oh my gosh, yes. I wanted to ask somebody that, but I didn't know. She's like, I switched office chairs. I got a new setup. I didn't know what was going on. I said, yes, me too. Like, I was like, my butt was just aching so bad. Like it hurt to sit down. And I was like, I didn't do any, anything. And then like your lower back starts hurting and just different stuff. And then like, when you go like to your doctor, like, especially right now, there's so many people that are having babies. So they're calling them the COVID babies. And some physicians are like, are like on this like wait list where it's like three to six months to get into an OB. And I'm like, what is going on? So from your perspective, from the physician perspective, but then also from the patient perspective, can we dive a little bit into like the ugliness and then we'll come back to the glamour? Absolutely. I love it. So I always tell people when they show up, you know, I walk in the room and I'm like, how are you doing? And most people pacify you and they're like, oh, I'm fine. And I'm like, no, no, really. How are you? Because I don't know about you, but I was never the happy, glowing, everything's going right pregnant person. I was the person that was losing my hair, that was supremely constipated, that was having anxiety about stupid things, that was learning that like urine can come out of you for no reason at any time, especially if you're like laughing and having a good time with your friends. Um, Afterwards, I learned that you can like totally saturate a nightgown without going through menopause from sweating. Um, The fatigue, no one tells you about the fatigue. You go to bed in your first trimester and you wake up and you swear an 18 wheeler trucker hit you. And then the second trimester goes more to like a Ford F-150 truck. And then the third trimester it's not quite the 18 wheeler, but you know, you're trying to prepare for the marathon that you're about to start to feed a kid every three hours. And so you're worried about that. And then no one tells you how your body just physically changes. I mean, these vessels are popping up that you didn't even know that could pop up on places that are probably not acceptable to talk about. And, um, you're starting to have acne, not from the mask that you've worn because of COVID, but because you're all of your hormones are changing and then suddenly you feel like you're 14 again and it's all over your back and you're wondering how you're going to go to the swimming pool. So the whole nine yards happens and no one tells you any of that. They just are like, oh, you're pregnant, you're beautiful, you're glowing, just like you said. And so I try to be really realistic with my patients and tell them 
if you are struggling with someone, somebody probably else is too. And I've probably heard about it. And if not, let's investigate it together. And I may not be able to fix it, but I can at least help you understand why that's happening and that it's not going to last forever. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you hit it on the, on the, <laughs> on the head, like you hit the nail on the head because like, I've noticed like these little back bumps and I was like, is this back acne? And then like, you know, the line that goes up on your stomach, but like some people get the full line. Some people get the half line. What is that called? And what's the purpose of that line just popping up? So it's called um, Linea Nagra. The only purpose that I have is when I put the C-section scar back together, I make sure that I line it up correctly because the line goes straight. But there's really no purpose in my book that it needs to be there. But it does pop up. And some people are, like you said, much darker than others. It does fade over time, though. Okay. Well, that's good to know because I was like, I have more melon than, than you, Dr. Shepard. And then I asked my sister, I was like, let me see your belly. Let me see your boobs because she's had two kids plus a a miscarriage before. And her stomach is so clear. I don't see no line or any stretch marks or anything. And so I was like, oh, okay. Well, I guess it goes away. And then some people have told me, oh no, it doesn't go away. It's just a sign of motherhood. And I'm like, hmm interesting then like the stretch marks and I tell I tell like my husband like you get the tiger marks on your buttocks so I was like oh it's like I have like tiger tiger stripes here <laughs> like that I'm gonna have to start telling people that that's good I tell all the moms those are earned you earned those stretch marks you grew that baby there unfortunately are women out there who don't have such luck and you know abilities so own those it doesn't matter but they hopefully will become less, you know, in your face, if you will, as time goes on. Yes, absolutely. And then with, okay, is this a myth or a fact? So one of my girlfriends just had a baby not too long ago, and she was told that you should start breastfeeding before you deliver if the milk is there, so you could start storing it. Is that recommended? Is that a myth, a fact? So definitely people will start leaking colostrum before they deliver. Um, People will look at their bra and be like, why are these little dots in there? And that's probably milk let down a little bit. I tell people that I don't recommend them pumping or trying to express the milk only because I don't know how the baby's tolerating it. So if you're at the hospital and you're on the monitor and you start to have any sort of nipple stimulation um, and are trying to actively express that milk, then I know how the baby is responding to that because that is one way that you can induce contractions. So if you're inducing contractions and let's say you're like 32 weeks, less than ideal, we don't want a 32 weeker, but let's say you're past your due date and you're doing anything under God's green earth to have a child, then maybe you want to do some nipple stem. But I always tell people, go ahead and do that at the hospital. So I know that your baby's not upset when we do that. Okay. Thank you for, for busting that one. Because I was like, I recently had some leakage in, in my left one. And I was like, Oh crap. I was like brushing my teeth in here. Then I looked down and I was like, Ooh, is my, my boob is leaking. So I told my husband, babe, babe. I was like, I was like, got milk. <laughs> That's awesome. You're the new campaign. Yeah. But just to make it like comical, cause it makes it easier. And then also stress with pregnancy. Women don't realize that whenever you are stressing as the mother, the baby is feeling that. So what are some ways that women could, you know, enjoy pregnancy and mitigate the stress so they're not putting that stress on their baby that's growing inside of them? 
Yeah, I think you've already hit the, you've already said it once, um, humor. So whether you get humor with your family or your friends, building those relationships, having fun, laughing, doing activities that you like, exercise is really good. Not that anyone want, who's pregnant wants to be told to go exercise, but that does release those endorphins to make you feel great. Um, it also probably makes whatever's happening in your life or stressful event not as impactful as it could be otherwise. Um, and we recommend 150 minutes a week so that your labor is, you know, wonderful and you become a one push wonder and then you recover in like three days, which never happens. Right. But we are, we, you will have a better experience if your body is tuned up and ready for it. Um, and then I think it's just perspective, right? This is something that we do for a short amount of time. And even though it seems like an eternity to us while we're pregnant, um, attempt to enjoy it, even if it's all those not glamorous things that we get to enjoy while we're growing this child inside of us. Yes, I love that. And whenever you were saying releasing endorphins, the movie Legally Blonde popped into my head because I love that. She's like, happy people just don't kill their husband. And, you know, she was doing this and endorphins make people happy and happy people just don't kill somebody. <laughs> Yes, that filter. That's something I forgot to mention. That filter that we have when we're not pregnant, a lot of times goes away when you're pregnant. So yes, more endorphins so you don't kill your husband. <laughs> yeah, so I love the humor part. I love the exercise part. Um, a lot of people recommend like doing those Kegel exercises or yoga or um, I was doing HIIT, but I was told not to do HIIT <laughs> because it's very high intensity interval training. So like I was doing like pregnancy workouts, y'all on YouTube, Dr. Shepard. And man, those were kicking my butt. I was like, golly, this lady's over here, like doing all these squats, dropping it low, picking it up slow. And I'm like, man, I'm doing just five to 10 <laughs> and I'm exhausted. So I always tell people, I don't really care how you get your exercise. It's whatever is enjoyable and fun for you. I wouldn't start a training program, like start to decide you're going to run a marathon when you're pregnant, if you haven't been training for that. Um, but I agree with your provider that hit is probably not where you want to be just because it's going to raise your heart rate really high and therefore raise your baby's heart rate really high. And depending on how long you do that, that could be not the environment we want your child to live in long-term. Um, but yeah, walks even light hand weights, um, playing with, you have other children, just playing with them because it takes a lot of energy just to be alive while you're pregnant. So you're working out, you just don't realize it. And what do you think about swimming? I think it's great. We actually, um, when we have hospitalized patients at our hospital, um, at our hospital gym, have a swimming pool. And so there are certain ladies that even get to leave the floor and go to the pool and swim. Really? Mm -hmm. Okay, so you could swim, but then, okay, what about the hot tub? Because there's a hot tub at this place that I go to. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to discourage you from doing that because that's going to raise your body temperature. Okay. Um, and most people submerge in the hot tub. And so, you know, that's where you get the enjoyable surrounded by the warmth. Um, but that too is going to raise your internal temperature and raise the baby. So the data out there is, you know, above 100 degrees. I think some even data says 115 degrees for 10 to 15 minutes. But I always tell people, if you get in a warm bath and your skin is red, it's probably a little bit too warm. So definitely don't get in the hot tub because my skin is very red when I get out of a hot tub, pregnant or not. 
<laughs> perfect, perfect. So these are really good tips. And then another tip I want to ask is, because my mom is so old school, she's Caribbean, and she for the longest did not want me to get a pedicure because she was saying that if they hit like certain like pressure points on your toes, it could cause you to go into labor. But I was like, mom, when did you go to medical school? And I was like, I, I need to get my feet done. I don't want them to look crusted and busted and disgusted. Like, especially in summertime is in, like you do not want to wear flip-flops or crack, crack toenail polish or anything looking like a ham, a hot A mess. <laughs> I feel like you should definitely go get your toes done. Um, the only stuff that I tell people cosmetically or aesthetically to steer clear of is the spray tan just because we don't really know what that's doing and what chemicals you're getting absorbed in. But, oh yeah, go get your hair dyed every six weeks. Go get your pedicure and your manicure. Enjoy it. It'll give you some pampering and maybe move some of that retained fluid at the bottom of your feet out, out of there. Yes, nice. Oh, I like that, Dr. Shepard. And let's talk about nutrition for a little bit, unless you want to hit on any other topics that you feel like we may have missed talking about the ugly part of pregnancy as well as the glamour that we just need to bring awareness to educate the pregnant mothers out there and let them know that, you know, you're coming into your super, your superhuman superpower, and it's okay for you not to make sacrifices on certain things. And, you know, just love yourself because who else is going to love you better than you? Yeah. So besides nutrition, the one other thing that I wanted to touch on is truly that anxiety and depression component, because if you have suffered from anxiety and depression, and we're all living through this COVID time, so we probably all have had a touch of it over the last two years, it is something that if you've suffered from it before, whether you have a true diagnosis or not, you have a 50% chance of having it postpartum. And so that's a large number, right? Yeah. And I just really charge people to talk to their providers because we are here with all sorts of helpful things from therapy to medicines, to exercise programs, to, I mean, even inpatient stuff, if that's what people need. But if we can talk about it, I feel like so many more women will get help and it will turn more to that glamorous side versus the not so glamorous. <laughs> Absolutely. And we are actually in mental health awareness month, the month of May. And I feel like we need to denounce the negative stigmas around mental health and feel confident to say, I'm not okay, but I'm working on becoming okay. And just because something may be going on internally does not mean you're crazy, does not mean you need to be committed, does not mean that you should be a statistic. It just means that maybe based on internal factors, environmental factors, or maybe other components that are feeding into that is causing you to feel a certain way. But talking about it is a sign of strength, in my opinion, versus a sign of weakness. And just because you are pregnant, um, you have to give yourself grace and mercy because a lot of emotions tend to rise up, especially like, for example, if you recently lost a significant person in your life and you and that person were really close and they'll never get to spend that time with you and your baby and really bond. Like for example, I lost my dad in November of 2020 and Monday would have been his 65th birthday. So my emotions were higher yesterday, but what I tried to do was occupy myself and listen to things that were humorous. So I wouldn't, you know, anticipate that anxiety. I wouldn't feel tense and I didn't cause that to affect the baby in the womb. Yeah, I think those are all great things. And then I think I would even go one step further the next time you go into the office 
if that provider doesn't know that you've lost your father, that might be something you want to share so they can kind of be on the up and up postpartum wise to make sure that when you do deliver that baby and your dad's not going to be able to be there on that great day, that if, you know, Father's Day comes around and you need some help in June, that they're already going to know about that. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. Just to see it, um, have that relationship and also do it as a partnership. Cause I tell people, not a lot of us take it as a partnership when we're seeing our physician, we think that, okay, what the physician says is the end all be all, but it's actually a partnership and you're doing life together to make sure you're getting optimal care. And they're not always going to know what's going on um, with you unless you open your mouth and tell them because they could only know so much by the lab work and other things, but internally and mindset wise, they don't know what you're thinking. They're not mind readers. Right. We try to, um, delve deep into that both once during the pregnancy and then afterwards by having all of our patients take a little quiz and it's a quick um 12 questions and it's you know hopefully answered as honestly as can be because it's over the last seven days is when they ask you but it's questions that maybe are even hard for me to ask and definitely hard for the patient to answer but since we've implemented that in our office i've been shocked at how many ladies if I never asked them or if they never brought it up, like I would have lost the opportunity to help them navigate, whether it be antepartum depression or postpartum anxiety and depression. So mm. that's very true. And also paying attention to what your vices are because people allude to alcohol, people allude to sex, people allude to other things. So pay attention to what those vices are. And if you're engaging in certain things, is it because you're masking a problem that really needs to be addressed at the root cause? Yes, I agree with that. So Dr. Shepard, let's jump into nutrition and then we'll do our call to action so I can make sure I am on time with your time constraints for the day. Perfect. So nutrition-wise, I always tell people to eat the rainbow. If you're eating the rainbow, you're doing it right. I tell people this is not the time to decide to eat a really strict diet. This is not when we have to judge ourselves, society puts a lot of pressure on us all already. Um, but my goal for my patients is to put on somewhere between 11 and 35 pounds, because that's what ACOG or the American College of OBGYNs recommends us, because that's the easiest to maintain healthy weight during pregnancy while still growing a baby and, you know, going through body changes. Now, in that same sentence, I tell people, if you hit 36 or 37, you are not going to turn into a pumpkin at midnight. And I'm not going to not take great care of you. It's just going to be, you're going to have to lose that one or two extra pounds afterwards. And that's okay. Um, a great way nutrition wise is to eat with your spouse or eat with your family. Cause if you get them engaged in the process of trying to make healthy choices, then everybody wins, but you still have to cheat every now and then too, because life's just too short. Oh yes. Like a contact bar or something. <laughs> and I I tell people do it in moderation like if yes. you do things in moderation it's definitely going to help you in the later part because especially as a person like me who loves fitness but now pregnant and you can't do so much you could supplement certain things so like don't just sit there and eat a whole pack of Oreos believe me I can't but then your hips and your thighs are going to be paying it for it later because you're going to probably have to do four of those squats or lunges or whatever so it's like do you want to work harder because you chose to not be disciplined right and maybe occasionally you do just not every time <laughs> 
Yes, absolutely. So Dr. Shepard, I want you to leave our audience with your call to action after they heard some of the glamorous things and the not so glamorous things, but then they see that at the end, you have a beautiful bundle of joy, but sometimes you have to work at it. Yes, 100%. So my call to action would be to accept the whole process and understand that 99% of the time it's not glamorous, but it's that 1% that is glamorous, which is your child that keeps us going. And then the greatest part of it all is we all get amnesia and that's how we all get pregnant again and I have job security. Ah, yes. And then also whenever you are doing family planning, make sure, I can't stress this enough, make sure you and your partner are on the same page because it could definitely be a rude awakening. Like if you want to and he wants more or she wants more, you could definitely hit that collide and you definitely don't want to be in that predicament. So you want to make sure that you're maintaining adequate lines of communication when it comes to that. Because sometimes there's a oopsie. We had it. <laughs> uh, 50% of the time, actually, they are oopsies. So yes, that is very common. <laughs> Yes. And Dr. Shepard, how can our audience get in touch with you? Plug your website and where you primarily hang out on social media. So um, my website um, for our office is ogstulsa.com. And on social media, I'm mostly on Instagram and Facebook, but we do do stuff on our um, professional page too, both education and fun shots. Okay, what, what are those pages? Is it OGS too? Yes, it's OGS Tulsa um, for the Instagram. And then personally, it's mine or just Sarah Shepard. Okay, awesome. And y'all, it's sure Sarah Shepard. And just think about uh, Dr. Shepard and Grace Anatomy. And then you got it. Exactly. So all of Dr. Sarah Shepard's contact information will be in the show notes, y'all. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. We are on 40 plus platforms. You can see our video for this segment by heading on over to YouTube, typing in at gems with Genesis Amaris Camp. So all things video will be there. And lastly, but not least, I want to thank each one of you for tuning in on a consistent basis. Because of you, we are now ranked in the top two and a half percent globally out of 2.8 million podcasts per www.listennotes.com. And we are taking sponsorships. So you can find out more information by heading on over to Genesis Amaris Kemp, hitting that podcast tab and learning more. Until next time, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Have yourself an amazing one. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Amaris Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P, at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcasts.